0: We continue our reflection on the parables of Matthew. And it's been five weeks already since we started our reflection on the different parables in the Gospel of Matthew, deepening our understanding of the kingdom of God. The parable that we have this morning is a little odd. <laughs> I always find this story quite odd, and uh, if we, we of course, take it literally, it's just not going to make sense. Because of its oddity, seemingly oddity, it's important for us to see the fine details of the gospel story, the details especially uh, the cultural and the allegorical intentions of Matthew. He said that the kingdom of God is likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. The image of a wedding feast in the scriptures is starting from the Old Testament to the New as an image of heaven is is known to, to the people of Jesus's time, is even in the Old Testament period, the wedding feast is one of those prominent, prominent images of the kingdom of God. In the first reading today from the book of Matt, uh, from the book of the prophet Isaiah, we are even given a description as to what kind of feast it is. Listen again to to these opening words from the prophet I say in the first reading today. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines. The wines there, I'm sure, captured some of you, you know. <laughs> choice wines juicy and rich food and pure and choice wines just the best just the best telling us that if we are hungry or thirst for a lot of things right here in this world the wedding feast that is waiting for us in the kingdom of God in heaven is incomparable to any of the feasts that we have been to. It's probably better than uh, the parties that Denise and Bob would normally invite us here. (laughs) No, they do a great job the hosting, but if you already enjoy their parties, the promise, the promise in the scriptures is a lot better, right? Promise in the scriptures, is so much better. How can you say no to this invitation? Apparently, you can say no. As what we heard in the parable today, though the original invited guests said no. Again, there is a presumption here that the invited guests already knew beforehand they already sbp would when the invitation when the first invitation was given to them and he said of course we were gonna be there of course we were going to be part of the wedding feast you can count on us but a few days or even a day before or on the day of the wedding feast the king said to his servants I want to make sure that we have enough food for everyone. Go and ask them again if they can come. And now they said, Oh, we have a lot of things in our calendar today. I need to go to my farm. I need to attend to my business. And then the servants reported back to the king, Oh, Your Highness, Your Majesty. They are not able to come. And the king said, Tell them about the menu. They might probably change their mind. They might change their mind. Tell them. Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed and everything is ready come to the feast. The king said, tell them that the most exquisite, that's the word. I always mess up pronouncing that word. Exquisite. Sometimes I pronounce it as exquisite. Uh, it's playing in my mind. Uh, how do you pronounce it again <laughs> now? I forgot. You, you've heard it already. Exquisite. Uh, no. Right? Okay, good. You see, if your pastor is not, you know... Uh, Was that, uh, anyway, not a first language speaker. In English, it's a little bit difficult. It's, I have the most exquisite banquet prepared for them. How can they even say no to this? But those who were invited felt that the other invitations out there were more important than the, mo- than the most than excellent and magnificent banquet that the king wants to offer them. Now, relating it to our own spiritual life, we first got our invitation to the heavenly banquet even prior to baptism. But in baptism, we were given that written invitation and say from now on you are invited to the heavenly wedding feast and this is what you're going to expect there everything that your hearts desires and long for will going to be fulfilled right there i want you to be convinced of that that is the most it can never be surpassed by any other invitation. The question is for us, if the servants of the king would come to us and say, the wedding feast is ready, how enthusiastic are we? How disposed are we? in going to this feast, in partaking into the wedding feast. There's no greater place to be than to be in the feast of the Father. One went to his farm, another to his business. Farm here represents all works and occupations. We know how work and occupations can sometimes stand in the way in our full yes to the gospel. Sometimes the, our work or occupations already control us. Everything else have to be, have to be adjusted to it. If it doesn't fit to it, then, never, then things are discarded. It becomes our religion sometimes. It becomes that wedding feast for us. But we know that at the end of the day, no matter how successful we are in there, it does not really give us the real contentment and satisfaction that the wedding feast of God promise, promises for us. Farm Business. Business here represents all the other worldly affairs that hinder us to give our total yes to the invitation. But what is our earthly experience of this wedding feast of the King in this world that the Father is asking us to partake while we are still waiting for the ultimate wedding feast in heaven. What is that wedding feast right here, you think, in this world that we can partake as close as to the promise of wedding feast in heaven? Where? Eucharist. Thank you, Colleen. You get an A++. plus plus. The Eucharist and I know it's difficult right now to make it available for everyone because of the pandemic and I know that there are so many people out there who wish to be to be here uh, but because of their underlying condition they're not able to Or even people who have no underlying condition, but they are the primary caregivers or caretakers of their sick families, of course, they don't want to be here because they also don't want to bring something with their families. And that's understandable. But hopefully, as what I've said before, the absence of these wedding feasts for us should foment in us a greater desire for God. But also... Unfortunately, during this time, this situation has also created some sort of laxity, some sort of slot, spiritual slot in some people using the, the dispensation as a, as a reason. A good friend of mine was asking me about this, and he said, "Can you explain to me how this dispensation works?" I said, "I'm just gonna ask you, Joe, three questions. Can you go to Safeway? Cause do you go to Costco, Safeway, or other places every week, or you know, to any grocery stores?" I said, oh, yeah, of course. How long do you stay there? Well, it depends. But if it's a big grocery you know, that I need to do, sometimes an hour. You know, and you go through things, right? And I said, oh, yeah, I touch you know, the shelves and all of that. Okay. Do you go to parties, even family parties? And he said, oh, yeah, I've been to several birthday parties. Parties and we have the social distancing and all of that. Have you t- traveled recently out of state or out of the country even? But, oh yeah, part of my work is to travel and, and, uh, and look at some of our manufacturing plants. Well, I said, if that is the case, that dispensation does not apply to you. <laughs> If you can go to these places, I said, then you can surely go to Mass. And at, at Mass, every time there, immediately after every Mass, there is a sanitation crew that wipes everything here. Social distancing is observed, the arrows, the blue arrows are observed, and all of that. I said, it's safer to go to Mass than to go to Costco. If you can go to Costco and you can feel and feel safe there, you can surely come to Mass. And it's like, oh, that's helpful. I'm probably going to sign up next week. This is our life. This is, there's nothing greater than this wedding feast. And why is that? Because it is God himself wanting to feed us. In a time when there is so much darkness and need outside, if you have God, which we partake and receive in a very special way in the Eucharist, this should be the first place of refuge for all of us. I know it's hard because we can only accommodate 50 people at a time. And it should not also be a reason for people not to come to Mass because we would accommodate you as much as possible. If you can't come because the rotation is not yet up for you, at least you know deep within your hearts that I have done my best to be there. But I said, Joe, if you're just going to say, anyway, dispensation is in place. I said, I don't want to judge you because he's a great guy. But I said, that's the ultimate wedding feast. Two more minutes. The other thing, too, that is really weird in the parable today is, like, when those who were invited refused to come, the king said, just invite whoever you find in there. Anyone. We were told, bad and good alike. Bad and good alike. And then, they show up. This is really an image of the kingdom of God inaugurated by Jesus. That heaven is not just for a select group of people like the Jews, but it is really for everyone. This is the kingdom inaugurated by Christ himself, open to everyone, not because of race, not because of anything else, but because we are created in his own image and likeness. But the weird thing is that a guy showed up in the banquet, not dressed in wedding garment, and then the king saw him and said, My friend, you're a little casual. What's ha- what happened? Did you not get the memo? I was just like, if I were the guy, I would have told him, your servant just invited me a few minutes ago. I had no time to change. And you expect me to be, you know, to be in tuxedo? Your servant just grabbed me a few minutes ago from the streets and asked me to be here. And I don't want... I don't want this to be empty. You're actually, I'm actually giving you like a, a favor. <laughs> the thing about this is that when we are invited to the wedding feast, in as much as the door of heaven is wide open for everyone, there are standards once you get there. You can't just be casual and just do your own thing. If I don't value the values of the king then I'll just going to show up there like casually. But since I value the invitation and I'm convinced this is one of the most this is the most important banquet, I'll I'm gonna be there prepared. And what is this wedding garment that the gospel is telling us in the gospel today? It is the values of the kingdom of God. We can't be in the kingdom and not be in the same mind as the king. We can't be in the kingdom of God and be opposed to the standards of the kingdom. And we don't have to be in tuxedo we just have to be at least presentable, not in shorts, in a banquet f- f- for the king. If I got an invitation from Queen Elizabeth, I'm not going to show up there in sh- shorts. Probably I'm not going to enter into the main gate of the Buckingham Palace anyway. But you know, you, this is what it is. What's interesting about this is that The king almost treated the guy who showed up and, uh, under the dress almost in the same way as those who did not come to the feast who were originally invited. I was just like, can you give this guy some slack? At least he showed up. How, how do we understand this? Well, in the kingdom of God, it's either you say yes or you say no. And if you say yes, you better come with your best. We can't be, we can't embrace mediocrity. We can't embrace lukewarmness. We can't embrace, you know, being right there in this middle. It's either we say yes or we say no, and if we say no, we suffer the consequence. If we say yes, we give our total yes. It's like, wow, the kingdom of God is, is so demanding. Well, it comes with the price of the great feast that we are about to partake. Are you willing to enter into that feast? If the servants of the king will knock at your door and say, Jim, I want you to attend the wedding feast, what will you say? I'm going to ask permission from Lorraine first. (laughs) What will you say, yes? Or, oh, I have a business to attend. I have a work to do. Remember, God does not want to offer us lesser that He could actually give. And the kingdom of God is equivalent to Him. If, when God says, "I offer you my kingdom," He's practically saying, "I am offering to you myself," and there's no greater feast than that. Come to the feast.